Welcome to the Jerusalem Lights Podcast with Rabbi Chaim Richman, whose goal is Torah for everyone. I'm your co-host, Jim Long, and now, Rabbi Chaim Richman. Shalom to my dear friend, the inimitable, the one and only, James D. Long, and shalom to all our listeners. Welcome again to the... Uh, the Jerusalem Lights Podcast. I guess the morning coffee for me hasn't kicked in quite yet. The synapses aren't firing. Speaking of morning coffee and synapses and um, revving up, I want to wish everyone again beautiful month of Elul, which is upon us this month. Absolutely the most amazing time of year because it is this incredible um, kind of like um, first aid station or emergency room situation in which we are able to check in and check our egos kind of at the door take stock of ourselves of of who we have been the past year and i think that in a, in one sentence like if we really have to define the elul experience it's about getting real getting real with ourselves getting real with others leading us of course to the most important goal of all which is getting real with with god with our relationship with him but it's about taking stock and then because we take stock honestly that leads us to take responsibility for ourselves it's interesting. I I always marvel at this every year. How the names, even of the Torah portions that fall out during the month of Elul, on a deep level, they they can be expounded to express some of this, some of the key concepts of the month of Elul. And generally speaking, we always begin the month with the Torah portion of Shoftim, which is indeed what we are going to be reading this Shabbat. And Shoftim, which literally means judges. So the Torah portion begins in Deuteronomy chapter 16 and verse 18. And the verse reads, the opening verse reads, Judges and officers you shall place in all of your gates, which Hashem your God gives you for your tribes. And they shall judge the people with righteous judgment. There's a whole idea on the level of drasha, you know, Jim, that means like to expound, you know, to expound mm-hmm. kind of like in a in a non-literal sense, you know, because the Torah bears many levels of interpretation. And in this level of kind of like a homiletical interpretation, the great sages look at this as as being like a metaphor of a person, because a person has gates to his consciousness, to his body, the the orifices, the the two eyes the two ears, the mouth, the openings to the body are like the gates of our body. And we have to be very careful what we let in and what comes out. And so basically like there's like this call at the very beginning of this month, which is all about introspection, leading us to serious repentance and all about like really preparing ourselves spiritually for the, for the awesome judgment of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. So it's like, the verse begins in the very beginning, the very first Shabbat of the month of Elul, saying, listen, uh, put a harness on yourself. <laughs> Basically, put some officers, uh, guards at your gates and start to realize that you should not be seeing everything, you should not be hearing everything, and you should not be saying everything that comes to mind. And like, take some responsibility. You know, you referenced the five gates we learn that that we perceive the material world through our five senses. I just read an article the other day that there is this uh, this uh, uh, region of outer space where the scientists have detected a uh, a black hole, and there is a ring of light surrounding it. Uh, I saw that. I yeah. saw that amazing picture. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I thought. Maybe that has something to do with the fact that it's it's supposedly happening right now, or they detected it. This is Elul. This is this is Hashem sending, you know, reaching out to us, if you will. I could be completely off the grid with this, but I, I'm going to take it that way. Is that this is this is a physical manifestation of Him reaching out to us and 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 being available to us in the field. You know, I love it. I love it, Jim. You could never be off because there's nothing in the world in which Hashem is not calling out to us. 
And that is a, a major principle. Every person that we meet, everything that we read, everything that we encounter, it's all Hashem beckoning to us. And so, yeah, I think you're absolutely right on. Yeah, I think this has been one of the biggest developments in in uh, recent times. Is is this new um, edge of technology, the, the James Webb Telescope, and all the things that we've been discussing that give us such a broader perspective and help us to really essentially understand spiritual concepts in a whole new way in terms of the vastness of creation and our place in it all. And Hashem definitely calls out to us through everything, and Hashem also calls out to us through the news, right? through the news of the day. And there he's issuing us, I think, more than just a, a call. I think he's issuing us a challenge and also a warning. And, you know, uh, here we are at the end of the year, the last month of the Hebrew calendar, which is so pivotal and so absolutely formative and important in terms of our spiritual development. And in the meantime, Another year is is leaving. Can you believe it? Like it's this fast forward that we're all feeling. I haven't I haven't met or spoken to anybody that doesn't say, "Wow, the tape is on fast forward." Like what is going on? Time is going by so mm-hmm. quickly, and you know what? I think that on the on the deepest spiritual level, the great sages teach us that that is because we are finishing up with what we have to do. In other words, the earlier generations, right? It's like this. It's like this question everybody has when we learn about those generations in Genesis where they lived hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, right? <laughs> so people look at that and they say, what is this, some sort of a, of, a, of a, an old wives' tale? Like these people lived like 900 years, 800 years, like what is that? And so they try to say, oh, well, years were, it's a different counting system. It's a different reckoning. It couldn't be that, you know, that this is the way we speak, you know, in the same language that they lived, you know. But the truth is that one of our holy sages, uh, the Orachai Makadosh, you know, he explains that this is literal. This is literal. And the reason that they lived so long, those massive souls, you know, in the, in the pre-flood generations, is because they had a lot to do. It's that simple. They were like the uh, the the um, the trunks of the trees. They were like the roots, the sole roots of of the humanity that was to come. And honestly, they were trailblazers. They had so much to do spiritually in this world to prepare for future generations that it simply took them a long time. Mm-hmm. But as the generations continued, you know, then life became more or less standardized. And so we feel like it's going very quickly. Well, you know what? We have one chance to basically to get it right now. And in the meantime, a year comes and a year goes and expectations are always high that maybe we'll finally get something right. But in the meantime, all the beautiful things that we're saying about Elul and how we're able to grab hold of ourselves now and, and, and try to really say this time we're really going to get it right the backdrop of all of that, Jim, is that the news is so disheartening. You know, I mean, yeah. so many people don't don't even bother listening to the news anymore. It's not healthy, definitely. It's it looks bad, and everywhere you turn, you, you know, we see the breakdown of society. We talked about some of this last week in terms of specific examples of the decline of identity and the morass of confusion of in and and how it affects morality and but also like on every level level whether it's judicial or political or educational it's all very very disappointing and in the meantime people are yearning for truth and people are learn are yearning for leadership and it seems quite explosive honestly it seems quite explosive that the the um the the tension you know that it seems to be very taut you know the the situation and 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 you know aside from the fact that there's danger of, of nuclear uh, escalation you know in ukraine and every, and everything and everything that's going on and uh, beside beside all the daily terror that we face here in israel and the political instability and lack of true leadership all over the world there seems to be this struggle against falsehood and people looking for true leadership, which of course is a Torah concept, you know? Yeah. So so um, in last week's Torah portion, for example, that we read in Parshat Re'eh, there was a whole idea about um, that when we come into the land, when the children of Israel come into the land, they, they, they are given the responsibility of obliterating idolatry and all the leftovers from the previous nations that were there. And then there's this warning against like falling into some sort of a, of a, uh, a trap, you know, in some sort of a lure 
to try and do the stuff that they did, like scam spirituality, I call it, mm-hmm. you know, like the kind of like all sorts of like, uh, of like um, false kind of spiritual attempts. And Hashem is warning us, you know, not to do that. Don't say how do these nations worship their gods? And even I will do the same because this is all like this temptation, you know, that's what I meant by lore temptation of being like, of doing some sort of fad, um, uh, oppy kind of, um, scam, false scam, spirituality and and thus in this week's Torah portion we actually have a very very important verse that I hope to speak about in in detail in um this week's video lesson Jerusalem lights so I don't want to talk about it too much now but it's such an important verse and that is you shall be wholehearted with Hashem your God that's in this week's Torah portion and and there, there's a continuation here because because we have all these warnings against going into uh, all sorts of things like, you know, trying to predict the future and astrology, you know, coming from a side of impurity, you know, and, and manipulating uh, all sorts of forces and, and that kind of thing. Very, very tempting. And a lot of people do that. So the children of Israel are warned against that. And then also, and this is really interesting. And I'm mentioning this on, again on the backdrop of the fact that we seem to be in some sort of a vacuum now. Everybody is looking for leadership. Everybody is looking for truth. And in last week's Torah portion, we have these verses that warn us about a false prophet. If there should stand up in your midst a prophet or a dreamer of a dream. And the interesting thing is, this this con artist, right, he actually can produce a wonder. It's sleight of hand, and it's and they're even tapping into forces that uh, that they don't even understand sometimes. Jim, it might not be sleight of hand. It might actually be real. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. It could be sleight of hand, but there is a way of understanding it that mm-hmm. he's actually able to manipulate, like you say, some sort of force. It's not certainly not coming from a, a clean side, but but why would Hashem give some sort of um, you know, a scam artist, why would he give him the ability to do something like that? Of course, I mean, we know historically that he gave the all the necromancers in Egypt powers, right? And he yeah. also gave Bilam a lot of powers too. But here the verse tells us in, in last week's portion in chapter 13, tells us specifically, do not hearken to the words of that prophet or to that dreamer of dreams, for Hashem your God is testing you right, to know whether or you love Hashem your God with all your heart, with all your soul. That's so amazing. In other words, Hashem will actually arrange for a person to be able to put on some kind of a show to see if you're going to fall for that or not. And how, yeah. and how do you know that he's false? That's the thing. And there's, there are, you know, it's, it's hard to give over all of this in, in just the, the format of a podcast. There are, there are many different ideas here, you know, that the person might actually be able to pull something off, you know, um, but then, he might he might give some sort of instruction and say that God told him to do something absolutely against the Torah. That's always the acid test for for any for trying any truth. That's that's our guide. It goes in tandem with what you just mentioned about Torah being a full time commitment. If the the people are schooled in Torah and understand its most basic and and pivotal teachings, a false prophet cannot sway them or or pull them aside or send them off the This is very interesting, though. But yes, you're right. But the reason that this is so interesting is because there's also an idea about a real prophet who you know is a real prophet because he does prove it by, by, by telling you things that do come true and showing you things that do come through. The thing is, you know that this person is righteous. You know that he's always read a, led a righteous life. And he actually, a real prophet has the authority to temporarily suspend a particular mitzvah mm-hmm. or something like that. If, because of the need of a particular hour, he can temporarily go against something. But the, the difference between him and the false prophet is that the false prophet is not righteous. The false prophet's signs do not come true. And his yeah. goal is to lead everyone completely away from Hashem. The thing is, people want to know how to live their lives. They, you know, th- that verse that I that I quoted that I want to talk about in in our video, you know, that you need to be wholehearted and sincere with Hashem and not go into all sorts of of divergences of of trying to make predictions and kind of things like that. Okay, so we're not supposed to predict the future, but the thing is, people feel threatened, they feel vulnerable, 
and they may, very well may be in a situation that they simply need to know how to react to something. And so Hashem promises in this week's Torah portion of Shoftim, He promises that there will be a prophet. He says, He says that um, they're going to be. The, um, let me find the verse here that I here a prophet from your back in Deuteronomy eighteen. Verse 15, a prophet from your midst, from your brethren, like me, Moshe is speaking, shall Hashem, your God, establish for you. To him shall you hearken. So so there is this um, dichotomy going on between the two parshiot, between the like, the concept of a, of a charlatan, like you say, who is a manipulator and who is some sort of a con artist, and a true prophet that Hashem will raise up in order to be able to guide the people in a time when things are unclear and in order to give them the direction that they need completely rooted in in torah right and so the so the this is all so compelling jim and i think it's such an important subject for us to discuss because right now we you know we were talking about the news we're living in in times that are confusing we're living in times where we feel that leadership is corrupt that governments can't be trusted Mm-hmm. Everybody, everybody. I'm not spokes with everybody. A lot of people feel that way, and we're living in important times because we know that we are witnessing many things which our sages tell us specifically and clearly. Things that we are witnessing are actually a prelude to the coming of Mashiach. Amen. I mean, yeah. there, we know we. This is not my imagination or yours. We know very well that that um, the prophets tell us that in a in a in a in the pre messianic era, which is I believe the time that we're living in right now, meaning the the period immediately leading to the coming of Mashiach, there are certain things that are going to happen in a certain order. For example, first a small amount, a small percentage of the exiles of the Jewish people will return to Israel, and then Jerusalem will be rebuilt and it will be returned to Jewish sovereignty. And then afterwards, a majority of the Jewish people will return. And... Um, in fact, it's interesting when you look at Psalms 147 and verse 2, the, the, it starts out in, in present tense and it says, God is rebuilding Jerusalem in present tense. And then it says, he will gather the dispersed of Israel. So first yeah. Jerusalem is, is rebuilt. And, and our sages teach the tradition that in this time, in the advent of the Messianic era, prophecy will return to the Jewish people. Amen. And and you know today uh, there are no real prophets, and so because of of the of these amazing verses both in last week's parsha about the false prophet and this week's parsha about the true prophet, I think it would be nice if you and I could speak a little bit about well what what is real prophecy, especially because of the very confusing times that we live in with so much spiritual angst, and people reaching out and searching for direction. And looking for understanding, and you know that there's a lot of people today that claim to be prophets. They're all over YouTube. They say some inane thing that God that they say God told them to tell everybody, and within like thirty minutes, they've got like a, a, a million views. I'm very jealous. Yeah, you know, and they, at first they start out by saying, "Now, don't forget to press that like button." Well, <laughs> I also would like people to press our like button, but the point is. They uh, they they get all these views because and they're so obviously phony, and so it just shows how bankrupt society is spiritually. That people are are so hungry for anything that they'll look at this guy, and they'll say, "Yes, what did God tell you to tell me?" And I want to analyze with you today in today's show if that could be, if these people are could be for real or not. So far, what do I know about them? When I see them on YouTube, they've got a lot of views. They got a lot of likes. They have merch. They sell T-shirts and coffee mugs and all sorts of things. And they might walk with a silver-topped cane or something like that. You and I have both uh, uh, been contacted by these people from time to time. Present tense. Present tense. <laughs> I, um, I get a lot of warnings. I get I get people all the time telling me that God told them to tell me this or God told me to tell me that. Um, and... Uh, yeah, it's a it's something that uh, happens quite often, and it's such a devaluation of the holy concept of what prophecy really is. That's what I want to focus on today, for the benefit of all our of our listeners who sincerely want to know what does Torah teach us about the holy concept of prophecy that's so important to Hashem that is coming back into the world, because it's being 
it's being um, bastardized, cheapened, devalued by all of these, all of these uh, con artists. You know, yeah, these people today that claim to be prophets. They and uh, it's very, very strange. So, prophecy is not about manipulating for gain or according to someone's agenda. And so let, let's let's um, put down a few. A few foundational ideas, and and the first one really is, without you know offending anyone, but just being honest, it's important to note that biblically, prophecy was only experienced by Israel, with the single exception of Bilam, the one heathen prophet that God gave to him the gift of prophecy in order to be able to show the Gentiles that here here's a prophet now now come close to me, but he totally. Uh, maneuvered and and misused the power that God gave him. The thing is, it was only Jewish people. Not only was it only given to the to Jews consistently in Torah, but also it was always only given either in the land of Israel, which is ninety nine percent of the time, or for the sake of the land of Israel, which is another 2%, one or 2%. It was given to Hebrew prophets outside the land of Israel, but for the sake of the land. But the main thing is, it it, it was given over to Israel. And it, in fact, one of the job descriptions of the Hebrew prophets is to be a light to the nations. It's their responsibility to prophesize to the nations as well. I used to have a good friend who had been a, a Baptist uh, preacher and he told me the way to deal with this. He he told me he told me quite frankly. He said, when people say to you, you know, uh, that uh, they're prophets, you just need to say to them, "Well, is your mama Jewish?" <laughs> he said to me, <laughs> because and then when they say no, I just he said to me with his southern drawl, he said, "You just need to tell these folks you ain't got a right mama," <laughs> because according to the Bible that I read, all them prophets are Jews. Right. So that that's the first thing that that is important to to note. Even before we observe that the internet prophets have diamond pinky rings and private jets and a dozen homes and that kind of thing. But the major mission of the prophets of Israel was indeed to call to repentance, both to Israel and to all the nations. And all this is so important because the messianic era that we are looking forward to, that we are that we are sliding into will feature the return of prophecy. And the final word spoken by the final prophet in the Tanakh, Malachi, right? How do you pronounce that in English? Malachi? Ma yeah, right? Malachi, yeah. Malachi. Yeah, he said in, what is it, chapter 3 and verse 23, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. Elijah the prophet is the announcer of the arrival of Mashiach. He is one of the few prophets that, that uh, does not have his own book. It's as if that book is yet to be written. Right. And he actually is such an exception in Torah thought to so many rules. He is an absolute anomaly because he is uh, a human being who became an angel. Yeah. And uh, so he's, that's quite an, an exception. Right. Because, uh, you know, we do study in the book of Numbers in Parshat Pinchas that he actually was Pinchas, the grandson of Aaron. Right, yeah. Who was somewhat, who was transfigured, really. My uh, teacher of blessed memory, Vendel Jones, really expanded my mind and my understanding so many years ago when he said to me one day, he said, you know, Jim, uh, all of Torah is prophecy. I think if people will remember that, it will open up the Torah to them in many, many ways. Nave or Navua, which is where we get the, the, the word for prophet, Navi, doesn't it mean to proclaim? And more than that, it really, it really means to gush forth. Yeah. To yeah. gush forth, to cry out, to cry out. Yeah. And I want to get to that, Jim, and I, I want oh, to get okay. to an, I want to actually um, analyze the word. I want to actually... Yeah show the beauty of Hebrew. Again, if people don't study in Hebrew, they don't understand because it's Hashem's language. It's the, author, the, the Torah is authored in Hebrew. And when they understand the meaning of the letters and the words, it opens up tremendous vistas to them. The first person called a prophet in the Torah is Avraham. Absolutely. that Absolutely. That's extremely significant. And, and, and um, we learn a lot 
of what it means to be a prophet from that verse. And exactly. I want to, I want to, I want to show you that. I want to show you that also. The, th- the thing is this again, and, the, and and by the way, what you quoted from Mendel is so amazing and beautiful because first of all, like you say, all of the mitzvot are on a level of prophecy because they're forever and because they, they channel uh, a tremendous amount of um, spiritual hope and energy to us. But there's also this idea that, you know, there were so many prophets in Jewish history in the time of the first temple, prophecy was so common that the Talmud says that there were more than a million people yeah. experiencing prophecy. And yet there are 24 books in the Tanakh. So yeah. what happened to them all? Where where are all those prophecies? Why were they not recorded? And, and the amazing answer to that that the sages discuss is that the prophecies that were included in the Tanakh are those that are needed for all time. Exactly. And they are and they are timeless. In other words, when we study these prophecies now, they are being said today and they are for all of us for all time. Whereas many of those prophecies were personal experiences that were not relevant to the, you know, to the whole nation or world. And, and that's why they were not recorded for all time. The thing is, every human being when when any person at all asks for guidance from Hashem humbly and seeks divine aid, that person can get divine aid. So before, I, I want to speak about levels now. Before we talk about the actual level called nevuah, as you just mentioned, the, lo, the level of prophecy, there are first like lower or preliminary levels to to a certain kind of spiritual experience, Torah teaches us. And the first level is what many people refer to as siyata de shamaya. It's Aramaic, right? We're used to writing that on the top of a, of a letter, bet, bet, bet samak dalid, right? Bisiyata de shamaya stands for with the help of heaven. And, when, and there is a concept called divine aid. And that is an amazing idea because it is not prophecy. It is not prophecy, but is it a but it is a direct divine intervention that any person can receive if they are truly with all their hearts seeking Hashem's guidance in humility, especially Torah teaches us, especially a person with responsibility. In other words, if you have a person that um, is responsible for other people, whether it's the leader of a nation or even the, the head of a family who comes to Hashem and says, I, I, I really need your help, that person will be given divine aid. And I'll prove it to you. Because Pharaoh, yeah. <laughs> Hashem showed Pharaoh exactly what he was going to. And Joseph, the tzaddik, mm-hmm. said to, to Pharaoh, Hashem is showing you with these these ears of corn and these emaciated cows and full cows, Hashem is showing you what he's going to do. Why? Because Pharaoh, who is not exactly a nice person, was a leader of a nation of millions of people who deserved to live, and it was and Pharaoh was responsible. And therefore, as a leader, Hashem was showing him the future, because that is a level of divine aid, which is universal. So that's the first the first thing I want to say that any person uh, who who is sincere and I I want to this is I'm I mean by this encouragement and and um, inspiration that people should know that they they should turn to Hashem and ask for divine assistance and you know what this is not new to so many people that are listening who who have experienced this who know that Hashem guides them right. There's a big difference, of course, between that and between coming and saying, I have a message for you from God. He sent me and told me to take all your money to fleece you. <laughs> Plus, if you act now, a free ice crusher, order before midnight, our, our operators are standing by, and that kind of thing. You know, There's a big difference between that and a person who's sincerely seeking divine aid. Now, one of the things that we hear a lot about is people use the expression, the spirit, the Holy Spirit, Right? And the truth is that there is a Hebrew expression, very, very important in all the holy texts that teach us about prophecy, and is called Ruach HaKodesh, which mm. literally means the Holy Spirit. But which is, but which I'm more comfortable with it, with a translation that I think is more um, clearer, and that is divine inspiration. Right? First, the first type that I was talking about, that I mentioned about Pharaoh, that's divine aid, divine guidance. Now we're talking about divine inspiration. Divine inspiration is like enlightenment, right? 
and and it's and it can, and again it can be translated as Holy Spirit, like in in Psalms fifty one, where David, after the incident with Bathsheba, he said, "Please don't take away your Holy Spirit from me." That was his level of divine enlightenment, and that is actually, according to the great sages, that is the level before, right before prophecy, right before true prophecy. So it's higher than divine divine aid. It's actually a, a tremendous level of this clear perception of truth. And it's very, very interesting to explain this in detail, how this is understood. And it has to do with the five levels of the soul. So there, so there are two that are less spoken about, the two higher levels that have to do with the, them clinging kind of to the source. But the three main levels of the soul that everybody talks about is the nefesh, ruach, and neshama, right? Mm-hmm. Nefesh is the is and as we talk all the time about the soul, right? I mean, we need to talk about this if we're going to talk about prophecy because it's a it is a gift to a, an enlightened soul, right? But what is the human soul? So, the holy books talk about these three levels. The first level is called nefesh. Nefesh is like the life force, right? Because also an animal is called nef- nefesh chaya in Genesis, right? A living a living creature. So, but so nefesh is actually not a small level either when it comes to man. Um, we find it in Exodus thirty-one seventeen, and it means to rest. Right, it means to rest. Why? So let me explain. Nefesh is the life force within a person, the basic life force, and it means to rest, and the, and it's related to the next level, which is ruach. Ruach, what is it translated as literally? Your breath. Spirit or, or spirit or wind. Yeah. Right? Like even today, like in modern Hebrew, like if, the, if it's windy, right? It's ruchot, it's a ruach, it's a wind, it's a spirit, a wind, right? The third level, which is the highest level, is called neshama. And neshama is the word that is related to breath because neshama is actually from neshima, which is a breath, right? So the, the Holy Arizal, you know who he was, Jim. He was the father of modern modern day mystical movement within Torah, right? He changed the face of our understanding of, of Torah. He explains the, what I just said about the nefesh and the ruach and the neshama. He explains it through a beautiful analogy of a glassblower. It's so gorgeous because... If anybody has ever seen a glass blower, I don't know if glass is still created this way. Probably not, and uh, no. mass. But yeah. you know, but if you've ever seen a, a classic um, traditional glass blower, he blows through a tube. He blows through a tube, his own breath, and he forms a vessel at the end of the tube according to his liking. Right. So what's going on here? His breath, coming from within him, travels through a tube, reaches the vessel. The breath enters the vessel and it rests there. So the analogy is gorgeous because the blower is God Himself. So we read in Genesis, right? That God breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life. And, and in the most profound four words, succinctly, on those four words, the Zohar says, one who blows, blows from within himself. And that's mm-hmm. all she wrote. The idea being that the breath that Hashem breathed is himself, really. Right. That's nishima. His breath is the nishama. So the the breath, the 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 breath is let's say the ruach, because the, the glass blower needs to breathe through the tube. But the essence of life itself is the nishama, right? That 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 breath is like a it's it's a spark. It comes as a spirit, really, because it's called ruach, the way it comes, because air is not detectable unless it's in motion. Right. So Hashem's spirit is called ruach. That's why we talk about ruach hakodesh, right? The, the uh, like the Holy Spirit, because Hashem's spirit is is called ruach because it. When is it detective? When it moves in us. The idea is neshama is the highest part, but the neshama really remains sort of on high. In other words, like a person is, this is so amazingly beautiful. It's absolutely staggering. If people would understand this one idea, it would change their lives. We're all here. And again, with the technology of today, Torah becomes so much more uh, 
graspable because it's like it's like a network, Jim. It's like a network. We are the, the neshama is not is not here. It's in the cloud, but we are all connected to it. So that that remains. A person is connected to the source, Hashem. The lowest level is the nefesh because it rests within man, right? And the ruach is what connects the two of them. And that's why we have the classic analogy of the glassblower. Wouldn't uh, an additional aspect of that analogy be to remember that the breath gives shape to to that mass of formless hot glass exactly it gives it form and it it turns it into something real and and tangible someone once said yeah and god blew adam's mind you know which is really what that that inspiration is all about is if exactly the prophet and and all of this should blow everybody's mind to hear this even because we because we we become so insensitive to life you know we talk you know uh, certainly when we talk about killing babies and we talk about all the things that society allows itself but just a person looking at themselves and asking who am i who am i looking in the mirror who am what is what am i really what what am i really when a person realizes that their that their life is a spark of hashem that is so sobering and yet so joyful at the same time. And it means that I was given something very precious that I have to safeguard and that I actually, that Hashem again trusts me so much, has such belief in me that he is he gave it to me in order that I should return it to him even better than he gave it to me. I've sometimes likened prophecy to a radio. If you want to to be receptive to what Hashem is giving forth constantly to the world, you have to actively tune in to His frequency. You have to tune your mind, your soul, your thinking, your desires. They have to be in tune with Hashem. You have to dial that mental radio over to His channel, and then you can receive. Johnny Mitchell, you turn me on, I'm a radio. Yeah, I, I know, Jim, I know, Jim, that you and I, both of us, growing up, speaking of the radio and prophecy. Yeah, I know that we, and I'm sure that so many people of our generation, of the of the, um, shall I say the um, the, the um, flower children's generation. Yeah. yeah, that when we turned on the radio, there were times when we heard exactly the song that we needed to hear. Needed to hear exactly. And at the yeah. time, each of us. In our own way, however, we're, wherever we were at in our spiritual development and our knowledge of Hashem, somehow we said to ourselves, in whatever way way we chose to express it at that time, this this is a prophetic experience. This is this yeah. is this is what I needed now, and He gave it to me. To show how free will is at work, you could you could hear th- even today you can hear things on the radio that if you're predisposed to to you know to wanting to give in to the to the attraction of the world and 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 get off the path and 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 seek you know all the vanity of the world that song will lead you that way if that's what you truly uh-huh. desire there are songs that will will do the same thing they will speak to you because yeah, but i'm only talking about the good songs jim of i'm not course. talking about heavy, heavy yeah. metal i'm talking yeah. about folk rock you know yeah. that. Well, a little I, pop maybe i, I just just want to clarify that you know that that it's not all good and today it seems to be <laughs> There seems to be less of that kind of music around. Yeah, that's today. why. That's why my playlist stops in about 1971, Jim. <laughs> but uh, in any event, <laughs> the fact is, today, you know, you want to hear a song, you have it within three seconds from a variety of platforms. In those days, you might wait. You might wait months. Mm-hmm. And so, if you heard it when you needed to hear it, you felt that the universe is hugging you. Yeah. And of course, that means Hashem. I know as a as a DJ you appreciate you appreciate this. You you were playing to me, Jim. You were a DJ. Anyway, moving right along, it's important to understand after everything that we've said about some of the criteria of prophets, that this is not just something that happens to a person. You know, this is um speaking of music, music was used by the prophets. In fact, there's a concept that our sages teach us that a prophet cannot come to a level of inspiration from a state of depression, from a state of sadness, right? It, it only comes from joy, um, 
one of the reasons why the festival of the water libation that took place in the Holy Temple during the festival of Sukkot is described by the Mishnah as the happiest occasion of the year. And that whoever never saw the festival of the water libation never experienced true joy. And one of the ideas about what really happened there was that the entire nation was able to draw down the spirit of prophecy because of the great joy that was felt there. And indeed, there is a tradition that Jonah the prophet, who was a young fellow, came to the temple as a pilgrim with his father, did not go through the rigorous training that I'm about to describe of what it meant to learn how to become a prophet. But yet, this young boy was so overcome by joy uh, attending the, the Festival of the Water Libation in the Holy Temple that he was overcome with the spirit of prophecy. The point, the point is, um, they had to go through many, many levels in order to prepare themselves adequately to be able to be basically used by Hashem. They underwent tremendous disciplining and training. There were schools of prophets. Yeah. And there's a famous Mishnah that goes through 10 levels, wherein a person has to uh, go through these levels in order to um, ascend to be pure enough to be able to become masters of themselves enough to be, to be a vessel to receive divine inspiration. We're not even talking yet about true prophecy. We're just talking about these levels that lead to divine inspiration. They didn't suddenly uh, prophesize. They first needed to become masters of themselves. <clears throat> and indeed, the levels which are referred to as, the 10 steps are referred to as study, carefulness, diligence, uh, abstention or separation, purity, piety, fear of sin, holiness. This is an actual program, which, by the way, interestingly, and those that are familiar with these steps, right away, uh, it's ringing a bell for them, because these are basically the steps that are described in the Mesilati Sharim, in the Path of the Just, which is actually a beautiful um, moral and ethical work that we are studying on uh, every other Tuesday in a Zoom class here in Jerusalem Lights, which anyone can join. Just write to rabbi at rabbirichmond.com and give you the details. It's a wonderful class. And, and it involves steps that help a person to purify oneself from all forms of negativity and how a person, even in our day and age, can be more focused on living a life of dedication to Hashem, even beyond the call of, du of duty. And this book talks about how each level leads to another. And, and actually, these are not just levels to become a better person. These are, these are actually levels to bring a person to a state of Ruach HaKodesh, divine inspiration. Each, it's a progression. Each level leads to another, and it's a lifetime of work. This is not like the 12 steps of uh, AA. This is, this is a, an absolute rigorous course of uh, it's life-changing. It, it involves something that will sound like a, a contradiction to a lot of people. It involves, in a way, a total negation of the self, but yet at the same time, being totally rooted in this world, being totally able to function and enjoy this world, but yet to be able to separate between our own personal ego and agenda and lusts and desires and what Hashem really wants from us. And this program of self-discipline, if we really get it right, leads to Ruach HaKodesh. And Ruach HaKodesh, divine inspiration, is the step before prophecy. And again, the more detail that we discuss, the, the, the clearer it becomes that we are not talking about the people on YouTube, even though you might just think I'm saying that because I'm jealous that they have more views than us. But the fact is, this we're talking here about people whose righteousness is so obvious and so well, pure. Wouldn't you say that uh, Bilam is the poster child for those people? In yes, that, he is very in, good. Is he was for hire, and Hashem right. really did allow him to do to do all sorts of incredible things because Hashem is saying, "Let's see, I'm going to give it to you. Let's see what you're going to do with it." Isn't that one of the acid tests? Is that a, a prophet is not in it for his own gain? Like you said, it's a total self negation. He has to give everything up and, and empty himself out and be ready to to be a vessel to receive the ruach, a kodesh. He has to literally hollow himself out and, and remember that because I'm going to get to that in, in, in a couple of minutes. But first, I just want to say, again, another misconception that people have about prophets. They don't know everything. 
Mm-hmm. They don't know everything at all. What it is it? What is it? What is a prophet? It is a person that has so perfected his vessel, meaning himself, meaning his ability to be to be a conduit for Hashem, that Hashem finds him worthy to to use him as a vessel, and Hashem will 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 rest his presence on him. But again, for a person, this involves a tremendous upheaval, Jim. It, it, it's 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 uh, traumatic, right? It's not like speaking in tongues, where a person doesn't have to take responsibility for content and says, now, I don't know what I said, but God is speaking to me. That is like so pathetic because a true spiritual experience is clear. And although Moses was the only one who saw completely clearly and the other prophets received either a dream at night or a vision during the day, but yet the the concept of 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 um, being taken over and and speaking a language that isn't understood um, is a, is a um, in my I've you know I've seen it done and uh, countless people have come over to me and started to rant over me and say that was a message for you I don't know what what I what I said but it was for you well thanks what do I do with that exactly but the but the point is i know i know very well what what their intention was but the, but the point is that's that's not how it works prayer and a real relationship with hashem it can't be faked and hashem is not hiding anything so it, it so it has to be totally real again in olden times in the time of of the first temple you know um prophecy was so widespread that it was understood that people could have this experience you brought up the word Navi. Looking at the word is so important. Like every other area of Torah study, the Hebrew is compelling. The Hebrew is um, foundational, and it is totally instructive about what we're really talking about here. Navi is the noun. Nun bet yud aleph is the noun for a prophet. I, I always, you know, I don't get out too much. You know, I don't, I don't get out very much. But I always like to talk about. Um, a few years ago, uh, I was in a car and I see on the dashboard, it says Navi, you know, <laughs> I, yeah. don't get, I don't get in cars very often. You know that Jim, yeah. I don't have a car, but the fir- what, however many years ago, and I, if the first time that I see that some, uh, somebody has a light that says Navi, I was so impressed. Of course, I didn't know that it stands for navigation, you know, exactly. but isn't that cool that the, that the, uh, that the uh, Rache Tevot, you know, the abbreviation for navigation is Navi. Anyway, <laughs> so the noun is navi, which means a prophet. The verb is nave, nave, yeah. to prophesize, right? But what does that mean? So again, if you if you look at Hebrew and how everything is based on roots of two letters or three letters, right? So navach means to cry out. Niv means speech. Uh, Isaiah fifty seven nineteen, for example. But again, these are all roots of navi. So is it, is it is it a type is it a type of speech is it does it mean to cry out? It's also related to bow, to come. bow, which come. means bring or yeah. come. And it's also and this you mentioned earlier this is it's related to nava, which means a flowing or a gushing forth like a fountain. And it's also related to navov or biv, meaning hollow. Follow, okay? Because the spirit of this person, now let's put it together. The spirit of this person that has worked diligently and hard at overcoming his own ego, he is now, his spirit can gush forth and it has a connotation of words and communication, but it's related to hollow because that's what that's the type of person who, first of all, a hollow reed or tube Again, going back to the glass blower and going back to this is not mine what I have to say. This is coming through me from Hashem. But also the hollowness uh, reminds us that he is not full of himself. And look at Job chapter 11 and verse 12. A hollow man will gain heart. Right. So the person without ego is described as being hollow. And this is actually one of the roots for the word for prophecy. And and again, there's so many levels here. There are levels between prophets. There are levels between people. It's quite complicated. But what is this person? It's a person who has totally hollowed himself or herself. There are women prophets also, right? But the person has hollowed themselves out like a pipe. And, the, and therefore, what is an empty pipe? It's a connector. 
So it's not my personality that's coming through. It is Hashem. It is, it is, it is a person who is able to hollow themselves out to the extent that they can make themselves into a channel for divine spirit. And this, this indeed was the level of, of King David without any personal agenda, just becoming a vessel for, for divine spirit. I wonder when Jeremiah, he likened the nation of Egypt to a broken reed. And you've, I think you've just opened up some more insight for us because generally that is when they explain the commentary, say that the reason that, that the prophet uses the, the reed is to invoke the idea that you you can't lean on it. It'll break and it'll pierce your hand. At the same time, because of what you've just described, being a broken reed means don't depend on them for your direction, for truth, for any any kind of help that will be that will sustain the nation. Especially because in, in another prophecy we find the idea of the reeds is that they are um, they knock they knock to into each other, right? They knock about from the wind, but yet they're firmly planted. They don't yeah. get uprooted, but they're but they do knock about. But here, like you like you said, to be compared to a broken reed is quite uh, helpless and not extending any help to anyone else. So this is a person who's a channel for a divine divine spirit. But again, and here's the here's the whole thing. Now we're coming we're coming to the absolute climax, in my opinion, of what all of this means. And again, my intention here, um, in the, in in my inspiration to talk about this in our show today, was the um, continuum of verses from last week in Parshat Re'eh, talking about the false prophet, and this week in Parshat, the Torah portion of Shoftim, talking about a true prophet. And Hashem's promise that there will be prophecy again in the world, you know, and 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 again, looking at the world, looking at the state of things, looking at how people really, this is something that people are looking forward to very, very much. And yet the irony and the and the um the manipulation, uh, you know, the irony of the fact that there are so many people today that that have absolutely polluted this concept and that are and that are making all sorts of claims and feeding off of people's gullibility and naivety based on their own their own personal agenda. And it's so transparent to anybody who understands anything. And yet, look at the numbers. The masses, Henry David Thoreau said, lead lives of quiet desperation. And now I understand, because the numbers that build up of people that just get up there and say, I have a message from God, it's so pathetic. So listen to this, because here's what it really all means, right? When we, we're talking about nava, which means gushing, gushing forth. We're talking about communication. We're talking about being hollow. We're talking about being a connector. We're talking about crying out. But what does it all come down to? It's so beautiful because it means so much more than simply speaking. And here's here's what I need to share. And I think this is one of absolutely the one of the most profound insights that we that we've ever shared in Torah. And it has to do with Ezekiel's vision of the dry bones. So what what look at this vision and see what happens. Okay, so Hashem caused these bones to become people. He he resurrects them. He puts on sinews and flesh. They become people. But first, what does Hashem say in chapter thirty-seven? What is it? Verse nine. What does he say to Ezekiel? He says, he says to Ezekiel, Ezekiel he says, prophesy to the ruach, son of man, and say to the ruach. Thus says Hashem, from the four winds again, ruach, come, O ruach. Blow into these corpses that they shall live. So, come again, Navi Bo, come O Ruach. So people think that the prophets were simply great men who were ahead of their time, who were um, iconoclasts, who were uh, rebels, who were agitators, social critics. That's all true. Mm-hmm. If, if if that was part of their mission, because they were prophets that that was clearly part of their mission. But here, this is so unbelievable. I, I can barely say it. It's so moving that Hashem here is not telling Ezekiel to speak or to predict the future, but to channel his spirit, Hashem's spirit, into these dead bodies. Bo, bo, 
come, bring it, bring it. And Hashem says, prophesy, nave, right, right, right? Don't, I didn't say predict, do a sign and wonder, prophesy. Now I understand what prophesy means. To the Ruach, O son of man, and say to the Ruach, because remember we talked about the levels, nefesh, and then Ruach is the connector, right? Hashem is breathing it in just like he did for Adam. And say, thus says Hashem, from the four winds come, O Ruach, blow into these corpses that they shall live. So what we see is that the prophet is so great and that prophesize means something entirely different than these silly scam con artists. You know, it means to be on a level of bringing all this spiritual force into these bones and bringing them back to life. So look at the verse. Three times he's told to bring the ruach, which means to bring the spiritual force. So this in itself, for anybody that's listening, changes a person's entire conception of these concepts, and no one should allow themselves to be to be taken advantage of or to fall to the to the trap of some glitzy a uh, guy with swag, you know, on YouTube, because obviously we're talking about two different worlds altogether. That's not what the Torah is talking about. Yeah, and this Torah parsha alludes to the level of prophecy that that Moshe Rabbeinu enjoyed. Hashem spoke to him mouth to mouth, and he saw things right. clearly as through a crystal glass. Right. And I, I was reading a, a commentary that said something remarkable in the Talmud. This is a curious phrase. There is no water but Torah. And when you think about the I, this idea that there is no water but Torah, well, first of all, we know that the words of Torah shall cover the earth like the oceans. And the other reference, and I'm connecting it to Moshe Rabbeinu here, is that all of his life, here is, here is a, this remarkable man who was the prophet of all prophets. There were none, none like him, none ever will be again. He's actually referred to as the, as the chief of all prophets, and right. that none will come none were before him and none will come after him like him. And look at and look at what look at what he was named. He was the he his name Moshe is to be drawn from the water, right. from among Amazing. the reeds. From among the reeds, right, like, and and and, it, and it, he was hidden in the reeds, and it was the water that saved him. Yeah, and but his right, his whole right. career is connected to water. Right, it, right, the right. Split, That's so, so beautiful. What you're saying is, I think you're saying that the water is like his element because water is basically like the the perfect metaphor for 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 prophecy. Yeah, and and the funny thing is, I never looked at this before until today. When you you made you gave us such clarity about this idea of the reed and blowing the the ruach hakodesh, and it comes forth from Hashem to the prophet, the the phrase in in the Torah says he is drawn from among the reeds, he's he's drawn from among the prophets. Yeah, unbelievable. So Jim, earlier you you said something, and I just wanted to get to it. Um, because I wanted to to deal with these other principles first, but you said something absolutely um, important, absolutely, absolutely stellar. You pointed out that the very first time in Torah that a prophet is mentioned, who is it ascribed to? Abraham Avinu, Abraham. To Abraham, mm -hmm. right? And he's not generally thought of as a prophet. So here again, you have to open up your heart in the deepest way because this is another amazing, 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 amazing insight. So Abraham is referred to as a prophet, not in the in the in the context that we usually think of as the prophets. And where was it? What was happening back in Genesis chapter twenty, verse seven? Right. So Abraham's wife Sarah is taken by by King Avimelech, and King Avimelech gets smitten by Hashem with illness, and Hashem calls Abraham a navi. Why? Because God tells Avimelech, give the man's wife back because he is a prophet and he will pray for you. He will pray for you, yeah. So the idea is, and even Avimelech understood because it, the knowledge was widespread at that time. Hashem didn't have to say anything else. He's saying that man is a Navi. What did, did, he, did Avimelech need him to predict the future? Did he need him to tell him what, what's going to happen? No. A prophet is able to channel the energy that you need to heal. Just as we were, just as I pointed out with Ezekiel, when Hashem said, "Prophesy to the ruach, bo, 
come ruach into the so also Hashem didn't need to, to say anything more to Avimelech. Give the man's wife back. He is a navi, and he will pray for you. Meaning, what is the prayer going to be? The prayer is opening up a conduit for what you need for healing. Yeah, and the the sages tell us this remarkable idea that there are there are forty eight prophets that are mentioned in the Tanakh, and that the first. You know, the first mention, of course, as we, we said, is is uh, is Abraham Avinu. But they also tell us, the sages also tell us, that, that uh, David Amalek, King David, was considered a prophet. The, the patriarch. There, there are seven female prophets. Seven female prophets. Esther is included among them. There's Ahulda, which we have Abigail. Abigail, of course, Sarah. Sarah. Sarah mm-hmm. is a prophet, and we know that from God t- uh, being telling Abraham, listen to Sarah. And so the, the reason I'm reiterating all this, look at the lives of all these people. They they live lives that allowed them that connection, that read-like connection that you referenced, to have that connection with and, God. And this is actually one of the criteria that, that will be used to determine the difference between a false prophet who might look convincing. And I'm, mm-hmm. again, I'm not talking about the YouTubers now. I'm talking about in the world of Torah, when the Torah warns us against a false prophet, we need to establish if this person has always led a righteous life. Is this person a righteous person that Hashem would use? Because otherwise it could be that he just learned how to do, like you say, sleight of hand yeah. or manipulation. But if but is this person deserving of being known as a prophet? One of the, the most beautiful ideas that I think we, we need to remind everyone of is the fact that it, Torah makes it clear, Hashem promises that prophecy will be restored. Prophecy will be restored, and it will come back. And Joel, chapter 3 and verse 1, says Hashem will pour out his ruach on your sons and daughters, and, and they will prophesize. And I want to share something incredible. We spoke about the Arizal and you know his main student, Rabbi Chaim Vital, who was uh, his scribe, you know, who basically... All of all of the Arizal's teachings are through Rabbi Chaim Vital. Write something astounding, Jim. Probably one of the most astounding things that we've ever said on on our program, and I must share it with you. This is a statement that is recorded in in what in some more than one of these holy books, and it is a statement that is attributed to Elijah the prophet, and it is. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. This is a statement that is attributed to Elijah the prophet himself. And I quote, he says, I call heaven and earth to bear witness that any person, Jew or Gentile, man or woman, if their deeds are worthy, the Ruach HaKodesh will descend upon them. Amen. It's remarkable. And so the idea is that I, unfortunately, we stupefy ourselves with density, with all of the things that we think that we are luxuriating in, but that are actually making thicker and thicker um, barriers between us and um, Hashem. All of the, our giving into our wantonness and to our our ridiculous obsessions and all of the things that that pamper our material. Uh, our material being, but that ignore our spiritual essence. The more that we can refine ourselves, the more that we follow the steps of what it means to be truly a servant of Hashem, to be sincere in this world, to seek Him out, to want to do the best that we can with the time that we have in this world, the more, Hashem promises, we can receive this divine inspiration. Not the highest level, not the highest level of prophecy, but still pretty great, Jim pretty great to know that any person who works for it can get it because Hashem does not deny from any person closeness that they deserve. And so this is like a this is like a, a call to to change. How, how fitting, how apropos for the month of Elo for us to have had the opportunity to delve into such an important subject to clear up some misconceptions and understand that we're not we're not talking here about about conjurers. We're not talking here about uh, you know snake oil salesmen at uh, at carnivals. We're talking about people that are truly righteous, and that comes through, and that is something that we that that is tried and true, and that we can tell. 
and that spirit will come back into the world and still and has already am- amongst the the few that are on that level and it's Hashem's promise that that no generation will be orphaned that as things progress and as difficult as things seem and as disheartening as the news is um, the redemption is on its way and it's a, a very beautiful and inspiring thing to know that a person can achieve this level of being able to be a conduit for Hashem's spirit in this world. Amen.